Okay, I just I stopped there because um, I originally had planned to start a new series, and uh, as I was getting ready on Friday, um, something just began to come to me, and then my wife had shared with me some conversation that she had with some people in the church, and then there's stories that I've begun to hear uh, about people that are really struggling, and this is a difficult, challenging time. I saw something even yesterday, and I received a. We have Chris mentioned that uh, Tony Cook is coming. We're scheduling him to come. We moved his his time three times now, but he's scheduled to come in the end of August. We want him to come personally. This is a man of God that was a associate pastor uh, at at Rama Bible Training Center uh, and at Rama Church. Uh, for 18 years. He now has a ministry of encouraging churches and ministries and pastors and literally travels all over the world. He spends more time, he and his wife, out of the country than he does here. Um, and they've been doing these meetings online. He did a, a whole month series in Brazil online. He did a month series in, um, with different churches in Australia. And, but I want him to come because he brings a presence, a calmness, a settledness. And I want to believe, just believe that he, they are going to be able to come on August 23rd. But I sent a, a, an email out this week about how people, Christians, are, are being tempted with suicide because of the pressures. And I saw an article yesterday where the suicide rate is up because of the pressure that's on people. And it really awakened me to a need to talk not so much about suicide, but how to handle how to handle this pressure. So if I can find my notes here. Here we go. Let's see. Here we go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time that we've had to worship. We thank you, Father, that you are an unshakable God and you have given to us and placed us in an unshakable kingdom. And we believe with all of our hearts that you have placed us here at Faith Christian Center and you have placed the other churches that are part of this area here as well as around the world for just such a time as this. And because you've placed us here, Father, and because you've not been caught off guard because of these challenges that have come, Lord, that means you have a purpose for our being here. And Lord, there's great pressure that's coming against the church and the believers to be discouraged, to be afraid, to give in to the pressures of this world and to be moved instead of be unmovable. And Lord, that's all designed so that we will not do what you put us here to do. And there's so much at stake, Father, because although our names may be written in the Lamb's book of life, there are many thousands upon thousands upon thousands still in this world today whose eternal destiny is still in the balance and you've put us here for such a time as this so that your heart of love and compassion can reach out to them through us but you need us to be strong and to be bold and Father, we're not strong and bold in ourselves. We're not strong in, 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 in our determination ourselves. We cannot do this on our own but we must, we must be empowered by your Spirit and we must learn how to cooperate with your Spirit as He works in us and through us. So, Father, as we turn to your Word today, you are a Father. We saw this several weeks ago as we looked at who you are and what you're like. And one of your major attributes is you are a Father, and because you're a Father, above all things, you love us, and everything you do with us, for us, and through us is out of your love for us. And out of your love, you will encourage us. Out of your love, you will comfort us. And out of your love, you will correct us. And out of your love, you will challenge us. And so, Father, as we turn to your word now, we trust your Holy Spirit to take this word and speak to each one of us exactly what you know we need to hear and to see exactly what you know we each need to see. And Father, only the Holy Spirit can do that. So may we all have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to grasp and receive what the Spirit wants to say to each one of us and to us collectively. And for that we thank you in advance in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, as I was sharing, I was preparing to do another series and I just really felt impressed to spend some time today and then I believe next week talking about how how do you stay strong in these shaking times, times of a great shaking. 
um, we are experiencing unprecedented pressure, at least for our lives and our lifetime. What we're used to and calling normal is now turned upside down and it's changing. In fact, the term that I keep hearing is this is the new normal, and we don't want to accept that. We want to fight against that. But I don't know. I mean, there are prophecies out there, this is ending soon and all that. I just know it doesn't look like that. And, and what I'm learning to do is not get moved by what it looks like or doesn't look like, not who's right or who's wrong, because all that distracts us from where our focus should be, which is on following Christ. We spent all of last year learning about follow me, not follow the pandemic, not follow CNN or Fox News, not follow the latest gossip, not follow me. And I believe with all my heart God had us spend that time last year because He knew we were going to be facing this and we needed to be understand and be trained in what it means to follow Him. And if we'll keep our eyes on Him and we will begin to practice following Him, He will get us through this and not just get us through this, but we will overcome and we will be more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. So, but we're now being we're now in places that we're used to going freely now. We can't just go freely. My wife loves to go out to eat and we can't just go out to eat wherever we were and you've got to plan that and even if they're now open and you can go and sit in this corner, you know, you, the thought is do these people over here have it and all these things play with your mind. Um, travel's now limited and restricted. Um, and when you do travel, you're subject to quarantines. And, and, and there are many people, some even in this body of believers, that have lost their job. And there are even some in this body that have lost, lost loved ones. So our world's turned upside down. And, and it's different for each one of us, but it's not the way it was. And the future, according to this ever-changing news, appears to still be very uncertain. There are also various messages out there that I've heard from time to time, conspiracy theories that this has all been planned by some people out there that have ulterior motives and then this is going to fit in with the mark of the beast and all these theories out there. And even if it's all true, which I don't believe it is, it takes our eyes off of what we're supposed to be doing, which is following Him. Satan's number one device is to distract us from keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Our world, though, is clearly being shaken. And there is no clear assurance, at least that we're getting from our government and from our health officials, that this is going to return to normal soon. So what does this mean for us? What does it mean for us as believers? Well, I believe, and I'm not a prophet, I'm not a prophet on a prophetic side to me, and I read all kinds of, I don't read a lot of them, prophetic voices, and sometimes they don't agree with each other. And, and I just know to keep my eyes, maybe it's the lawyer in me, to keep my eyes on what the issue is and not be distracted from other things. But this could well be, and I believe it probably is, the beginning of a new spiritual season. I want to talk a little bit about that because the reason for talking about it now is to wake us up because we're sleepy and to wake us up and realize it's like when the alarm clock goes off you know you may be you know and especially at this time of year when 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 the, it gets light earlier I tend to start waking up earlier and like this morning I was woke up and it's like nah, I think I'll roll over a little bit and all of a sudden the alarm clock goes off and it's like oh no it's time to wake up. I got to go to work today. See, you're, I got to go to work today. And so I, it, it's an alarm that wakes you up and like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I've got to get out of the sleepiness of bed and get about what I'm here to do today. Well, I believe that's what this time is for us. And I can't tell you exactly what period it is, but I want to read through some things that Jesus did to prepare his disciples for a similar change. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus starts out talking about the temple. I believe he was kind of sitting there in Jerusalem. They're looking at this temple. This was Herod's temple, which was the temple that, that, that um, Solomon had built. And Ter Herod had made renovations to it. It was this glorious thing made of huge blocks of granite and stone. 
And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Don't you see all these things? Now there's nothing more solid, there's nothing more, could be nothing more solid to show them than this temple which is made of these huge stones. And Jesus said, See all these things? Assuredly I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that it shall not be thrown down. In other words, what you see right now that looks solid and secure, there's coming a time when that thing will have been shaken and it will come apart. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples then came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will these things be? That's just like us humans. When's it going to happen? You know, it's like our kids when we were taking long trips in the car. Are we there yet? How much farther is it? You know, we're children. We want to know. When's it going to be? And that's a legitimate question. Tell us when these things will be. And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of this age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ, and they will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. See, we want to fight against some of these things, and Jesus is trying to encourage them. These things have to come to pass because then the end's going to come. You understand, this life is not our destiny. Three of you understand that. I assume a bunch of people online knew that. This world is not our home if you're a Christian. This is our assignment, this is our job. But our home is in heaven. It's eternal. And it's with Him. And we have to get that perspective. And part of what I believe these times have the, give us the opportunity to do is to wake up to that perspective. Because when your life is the same every day and every day and every day, our pattern every week is the same, we kind of think this is what it all is all about. And when you get something suddenly shakes, it wakes us up to reevaluate and get a new perspective on, okay, what's really important and what's really real? And we need to wake up to that as believers. And that's what Jesus is telling them that. Verse 7, For nation will, not, will, will rise against nation, where well, we've seen that and still see it, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. That may be what we're entering into. I don't know. I'm just saying it may be. But that's the first thing. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. It gets better, doesn't it? And you will be hated by all nations. Why? For my name's sake. That's persecution that's coming against the church. We're not experiencing that now. When they told churches they couldn't meet, that's not persecution. When it's persecution, you'll know it's persecution. It's for His name's sake. Okay, we've got to move on. We're not going to dwell here. And you will be hated. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And look at this. Because of law, because lawlessness, wow, does that describe our time, will abound, the love of many will go cold, will grow cold. This is what I wanted to get you. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. He who endures to the end shall be saved. Why? And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. That's what we're here to do. As a witness to all nations and then the end will come. And then he goes on to other stages of that tribulation. I don't want to get into this this morning, but just so you know, in theology, which is the, what the, the, the bright people study all spend their time doing, there are three basic theories out there about the rapture and the tribulation. And all of them have valid scriptures to support them. The first is that the church gets raptured out before the real tribulation starts. I tend to believe that one. The second is that the church gets raptured out in the middle of tribulation seven years. And I don't want to get into all this. 
that the church gets raptured out halfway in the tribulation and then it really gets bad. And then there's also people that believe, and their scriptures support this, that the church goes through the tribulation, but God protects it, and then it's raptured out. I just know this, whenever the rapture comes, I want to go. <laughs> and if we have to go through the tribulation, there's so much evidence that God will protect us and bring it through us. Uh, but my point is, I don't want to get into that issue, because I don't know the answer. I'm just really very honest with you. I know what I believe the predominant scriptures say, but there's scriptures to support all three views. I'm just telling you, this is what I believe that the scriptures say. So I guess God doesn't really want us to know the distinct answer, does He? Or He would make it clear to us. What He wants us to keep our focus on, and this gospel shall be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. So we may have something to say about how fast the end comes by getting the gospel into all the world. I don't want to get off into all that. Okay. All right. So, what's the importance of all this? Again, it's to wake us up and realize that right now, what we're going through is part of this enormous spiritual drama that's unfolding in the spirit realm. It's not in the politics. It's not even in the medical community. It's not in the things we can see. What's going on behind this is a spiritual drama being that's, that's laid out in scriptures. And I believe we're entering, in, at least if we haven't already started, we're beginning to enter into it. And the, the purpose of realizing this is to wake us up. If we've been lazy and sleepy and just lying around thinking, well, you know, we live in an age of grace, we can just get by. We've got to wake up because you just read it's those who endure to the end. And that's what we're going to talk about. Let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. This is what I almost came unglued reading that prayer because this was the scripture that God had given me to talk about today. Hebrews 12, 25. And, and this, he's just, the writer of Hebrews has just come through a period in, his, in this letter where he's explaining to the believers, these were the believers, Jewish believers, to be careful to not fall back, to not get lazy. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later on in a few minutes. And he writes this, he says, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For they did not escape who refused him who spoke on the earth. He's referring to something we talked about several weeks ago when we talked about, about Mount, when God came down on Mount Sinai and gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. And, the, and, the, and when God spoke to Moses, the ground shook and there was lightning and thunder and the smoke and clouds and the people were afraid. So he's referring that when God spoke on Mount Sinai and the earth shook, God's going to speak again. If they did not escape, if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he's promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain." Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. What's he talking about there? He's saying just as God came down and spoke a message to Moses on the Mount Sinai, God is going to speak again. And I believe he is speaking. And when God speaks with His authority, it will cause everything to be shaken. Now that may not be an audible voice we heard from heaven. It may be a message, a prophetic message. It may seem, because this is God speaking to us today through the Word. The beginning of the book of, of, of Hebrews talks about God spoke in other times in different ways, but He's speaking now through His Son. So God's voice, this voice that God's speaking today is not, may not, well not be an audible voice that was spoken as on Mount Sinai because when God spoke, He gave Moses His word, the Ten Commandments and the power and authority in those commandments. Now God's speaking to us today through this word and He's exhorting us to listen to it 
today. And he's saying here that there will come a time when everything will be shaken. Both material things here and things in the heavenlies will be shaken so that what remains is only that which cannot be shaken and those are the only things that God has established. I used to use as an example of this in the old days that they used to, um, in springtime, they would clean their carpets and they didn't have the, the powerful vacuum cleaners that we have today. So they would take their carpets out and they would lay them over a line of over a, a, a piece of rope or something and they literally had carpet beaters. They looked like a funny tank at tennis racket. Anybody ever see some of those? And they would stand there and they pound this thing because in the course of the winter and so as they hit this anything that's anything that's embedded in the fibers of that carpet that was not put there by the manufacturer of it now gets it all gets shaken the fibers get shaken the carpet gets shaken and the dust gets shaken the difference is the shaking now separates the dust which was not in part of the, of the carpet from the fibers that are, were put there by the manufacturer. And so any time of shaking that we go through is a time to discern where, where the things that have been built into our lives that have been built in there by God cannot be shaken. But the things we build into our lives that are that the world's built in, we let the world build into our lives, that Satan's built in our lives, those things will get shaken too, but they will reach, they will not stay steady, whereas the things that God's built in our life, it may shake, but it won't fall apart. So this is a time to rejoice. It's a time of purification. It's a time when we find out where we really are. Because when everything's going well, we think things are great when we have a full house on Sunday morning and we're all plush in money and everything's going well, hey, God's blessed this church, God's blessed my life, I must be doing well, uh, we must be in a really good spree, space, <laughs> space spiritually. Until all of a sudden the rug gets jerked out from underneath that you can't meet together and now we find out what our faith is really in. Is it really in God? Or is it in the things God's, we think God's done for us, but it's really in the things that God has done for us. So it's a time of shaking, but it's, a not, it's not to hurt us or destroy us because it, the, the dust that's in that carpet will begin to breathe in as we open the windows in summer. We'll begin to breathe those in so we get the dust out of the carpet to make it back into a pure carpet so it can be healthy, it can be good for us. And this is what I believe is going on right now. I know it's going on in my life. So it's going to go on in yours one way or the other. No. <laughs> so he goes on to say, how do we handle this? He says, um, verse 28, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. God has given us a kingdom that cannot be shaken. If everything in this world falls apart, the kingdom of God in you cannot be shaken. Now where is this kingdom? Is it going to come down? No. If you are in Christ, the kingdom, Jesus said, is now in you. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. If that unshakable kingdom is in me, how come I'm so shaken by what's going on? I'm glad you asked that question because I've just prepared some thoughts to answer that question. You're sharp today. All right. But notice what he says. First of all, we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So let us, the New King James says, have grace. Uh, other translations say, let us be grateful or let us give thanks. So the first thing we see, need to see here is in the middle of this going on, it's important to be grateful and thankful because God's hand is in this. I just had to do something this week that God required me to do 
that, that was a very difficult decision that I had to make and I struggled all week with this thing. My wife can tell you, I was in agony over making the right decision and I went because it was something we needed to buy. I went to do it and it was all messed up. And it was like, and it was Friday afternoon, too late to go to the bank and straighten it out. It was just a mess. And I just, I've learned this one. I'm not going to get upset. God, you said, Mike, your commitment to me is I'm anxious for nothing, but in everything make my request be known unto you. I said, God, it's your problem. I was getting rest today, and all of a sudden the Lord showed me His wisdom in what happened. He says, do you realize that the Bible says, I cause all things to work together for good for those who love God? All of a sudden I saw that the mistake they made was going to save me a lot of money. But I had to see it in different terms and get God's wisdom of what to do. It's like, wow! He's pretty smart. (laughs) He's smarter than I am. My point is, what looked like to me like it was a mess. The God who created the universe with His words, who parted the Red Sea, the God who can raise the dead and call things to... Somehow, that God was able to solve this problem for me and put me in a place that's going to put me better off than I would have been the way I had planned it. Why can't I trust Him? You can. We can trust Him. And so God's put in you He's putting in me a kingdom that cannot be shaken no matter what happens because it's His kingdom and Him living within us. But how do we live that out? Why are we so easily shaken? So we're going to look at the Apostle Paul and we're going to look at at some of the things that he went through and how he went through them. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 6. I've always had the image of the Apostle Paul as this man of granite. I mean, he was just never moved by anything. He just was always the word, the word, the word, the word, the word, always a good word coming out of his mouth. Always, until I really began to read the Scriptures, discover at the first chapter of 2 Corinthians, it says Paul despaired of his own life at one point. He wanted to die. The pressure was on him was so hard, he just wanted to quit and just give up and die. Look at some of the stuff he went through. Verse 6. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness. This is what he just talked about. The God we're going to talk about created everything with His words has shown in our hearts to give light, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What treasure? What verse 6 is talking about is He has placed His glory in you. He's placed His kingdom in you. Yeah, but I don't feel like that. But that doesn't mean He didn't do it. We'll talk about that next week. But He's placed His kingdom, His glory. It's His treasure He has placed in us, but the treasure has been placed in earthen vessels. And kind of the image is a clay pot that you put a bright light in, the glory of God in it. And clay pots are fragile. If they get shaken too hard, they can crack and come apart. In fact, some of us already have cracks in us. That's why God looks at us as cracked pots. <laughs> but you know, his glo- the light shines through the cracks. Isn't that neat? And so, He's put this treasure, this kingdom, in earthen vessels. That's you and me on our own, apart from Christ, are very fragile, weak vessels. That the excellence, that actually means the surpassing value of the power of God, of, that power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed, verse 8, I want you to listen to this very carefully. We are hard, see if this doesn't sound like today, we are hard pressed on every side. Yet we're not crushed. We are perplexed what is going on? I mean, what's, this world's going crazy. And then I hear Prophet Doodad saying, this thing's going to end in weeks. And Prophet Whatchamacallit saying, you know, this is the wrath of God, get ready, the end is coming. And I, I'm, I'm perplexed. 
Paul was perplexed. That means he didn't know what to do. He wasn't sure what was going on. Perplex- but I'm not in despair. Notice the contrast. All these things were pushing in on him, but he, it didn't cause him to collapse. It doesn't cause him to fall into despair. So he was experiencing the pressure. He was experiencing what you and I are experiencing, and far more than that, but he never gave up. It didn't change what was on the inside of him. He didn't quit. He didn't go into despair. Verse 9, persecuted, but I've not been forsaken. Struck down, but I've not been destroyed. Always carrying about in the body, in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our body. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and get a little look at what some of these things were. So if you're ever having a bad day, then you need to go look at this because this was what Paul's life was like. Are they ministers of Christ? Verse 23. I speak as a fool. I I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, that means being whipped like Jesus was, above measure. In prisons, frequently. In deaths, that means faced with death, often. From the Jews, listen to this, five times... I received 40 lashes minus one. That's 39. That's the scourging Jesus went through. Paul was whipped. Five times he went through it. It was with whips. It wasn't with the little bones that ripped his skin off. Five times. Verse 25. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That was in Derby. He was left for dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. That was not in a lifeboat. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false bedren, that's the worst one, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fasting. I'm a blessed man. Hungers and thirst, fasting often, in coldness and naked. Besides all these things, there comes upon me daily my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is stumble and I don't burn with indignation? And then he goes on to talk. Paul experienced all those things for doing what was right, not as punishment or discipline for doing what was wrong. No wonder he got discouraged. No wonder he felt pressure. No wonder he felt... But he never gave up. He never fell into despair. How was he able to do this? How was he able to do this? His secret is what we read in the beginning. His awareness of the glory of God within him. His awareness that where it was within him, an unshakable kingdom. I I heard a, a teaching on this one time. It's just such a great example, I'm going to borrow it. I may steal it. No, um, and it was, it was told by Kenneth Copeland's grandson, Jeremy Pearson. And, and he, he, he told about going up in an airplane with, with two bottles of water, like these plastic bottles we have. And while he was up there, he opened one and, and drank it. But he didn't open the second one. And they were well above 10,000 feet. When up above the 10,000 feet, the airplanes have to pressurize the cabin. And then... As the plane came down and landed, it adjusts the pressure. It starts, re- it starts, and it doesn't always do it smoothly. And when he got on the ground, he picked up the bottles, and the bottle that he had already drank out of, which he closed, was crushed. The bottle he never opened was solid. And he began to think about this. The same piece of plastic from the same manufacturer and he realized the difference is the bottle that was crushed had nothing in it. Nothing in it to withstand the pressure of the, uh, that was coming against that plastic. The plastic was very fragile, kind of like our lives are apart from Christ, the earthen vessel. 
So the plastic itself, the container, I didn't even, he didn't even see this much, this was mine. The container itself was not strong enough to resist the pressure. But the bottle that didn't collapse was full of what it was originally put in there. It was full of what the manufacturer had filled it up with. It was full of the water. And the water inside was strong enough to enable the plastic container to withstand the pressure so it didn't collapse. The kingdom of God is within you. The glory of God is within you. The prayer I pray so often is in Ephesians 3, that we may be filled with all of the... We, we, our plastic containers, our earthen vessels, may be filled with all of the fullness of God. He said that, I didn't. Now unto Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can ask or think, according to the power of the Spirit who is at work in you to strengthen you and sustain you against the pressure. I decided to look up how many times in the New Testament it talks about overcoming. And I found there are over 20 times in the New Testament it talks to us about over coming. I thought the blessed life means I didn't have to overcome anything. That's not what the Bible teaches us. So the, the thought occurs if, if the Bible tells us over 20 times that we have to overcome. In fact, the book of Revelation has it more often. In the seven letters that Jesus wrote through John to the seven churches in, 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 in Asia Minor, every one of them ends with a promise to him who overcomes. Chapter 12 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life to the death. Revelation 21.7 says, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. So the thought occurs to me, sometimes I'm a little slow in the uptake, the thought occurs to me if 20 times the Bible talks to us about overcoming, maybe there's something out there we have to overcome. <laughs> maybe what we're dealing with now and what we're facing and the different pressures that it puts on each one of us, maybe a little differently, maybe there are things that we need to overcome because there are promises about what happens if we overcome And then there's some warnings about what happens if we don't. Hebrews chapter 6. Never been one of my favorite scriptures. But it's in there. So we need to look at it. The writer of Hebrews has just finished admonishing them at the end of chapter 5 because this body of believers who had been Christians for a period of time were not maturing. They were not growing. They were become lazy. They become self-confident. They had become complacent. And he ends chapter 5 by saying, saying, shame on you. By now, most of you should be ministering to other people. You should be teaching other people instead of needing people to teach you and feed you the baby bottle, because that's basically what he's saying. He said, you still need milk, when by now you should be eating solid food and feeding new believers milk. So you failed to grow up. And now he gives them a warning about what happens if we fail to continue to grow. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. That word means maturity. Not laying again. And these are the basic foundations which most of us are still struggling to get. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith towards God, doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, that we may, if, and this we will do if God permits. For it's impossible of, for those who were once enlightened, who have tasted of the heavenly gift and have become ta- partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again to themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. 
for the earthly often drink. Now I'm going to drop down to um, I'm going to drop down to um, verse nine. I want to encourage you here a little bit. But beloved, we're confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. For though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your good work and the labor of love you've shown toward His name in that you minister to the saints and do minister. And this is what I wanted to get to. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end and that you not become sluggish but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I want to read that again. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence unto the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you not become sluggish or lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. But Pastor, I thought it was faith. No, it's faith and patience. The Bible talks about the fruit of endurance. It talks about Paul learned in Hebrews, in fact, it talks about in Hebrews, in Romans chapter 5, that he learned to glory in tribulation. Imagine that. That's what he's talking about. Because I, I know that tribulation produces something in me. Because tribulation, the tribulation doesn't produce it, it's what you do with it. Tribulation produces patience, steadfast, endurance. And steadfastness, if we keep in it, produces proven or established character. And proven and established character produces biblical hope. This is part of growing up as Christians, to learn to have this perspective. Because we're going through a difficult time. And the church has always gone through a difficult time. And the church has been the holiest, the most committed, the most consecrated when it's gone through the most difficult times. The church has been the most, the laziest. The church has been the most self-sufficient. The church has been the most unproductive when it's gone through times of acceptance and prosperity. Satan tried to destroy the early church with persecution and all he did was spread it. So he got smart. In the third, in the fourth century, he got Constantine, the Roman Empire, to legalize it. And once the church was legalized, there was no cost to being a Christian anymore. And so people just became complacent. They just joined the church because it was the thing to do. And he found the secret for stopping the church was you water it down with prosperity and acceptance because then I don't need God. Then it doesn't cost me anything to be a Christian. I can do it because I get blessed. Okay. Let's go to John chapter 16. And we're looking at Jesus' final instructions to His disciples. We looked at earlier where He prepared them for some of these things. And this is so apropos. This fits in so much with where we are. We looked at the beginning where Jesus told them, these things, these structures, this temple that you think is indestructible and unshakable, it's going to come down. And in 70 AD it did. The Romans tore it down block by block and destroyed it. What was unthinkable, the Roman Empire did in 70 AD. Let's look at verse uh, 28. I came forth from the Father, and now I'm coming to the world. And again, I leave the world and go to the Father. So again, he's telling them, I've come down from heaven to the Father here. I've been with you for these three and a half years ministering with you, and now I'm going to leave. I'm going to go back to the Father. And his disciples came to him and said, Now you're speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need of anyone to question you. In other words, the disciples are saying, We got it. Ah, we finally got it, Lord. Pat us on the back before you leave. We've got it. We got your message. Look what Jesus goes on to say. And Jesus has answered them and said, Do you now believe? In other words, you think you're there? Indeed, the hour's coming, yes, and has now come when you will all be scattered 
In other words, your world's going to be shaken, turned upside down. They thought they were tied in with him. They thought, Peter at one point said, you know, I'll die with you. Peter thought he was somewhere that he wasn't. And it took his world getting shaken and turned upside down for Peter to find out where his faith really was. But Jesus had already prepared him for that because Jesus said, don't worry, I've already, Satan came to, I've already prayed it through. So when you've come through this, encourage your brethren. So while Peter's going to go through this trial and this tribulation to find out where he is and to give the alarm clock wake-up call, Jesus has already prayed him through it. So whatever we're going through now, Jesus is praying us through it. We're not given an assignment and he sits at the other end with his arms folded and let's see how you do. He's there with us, helping us, enabling us, but we have to do our part. And part of that is to wake up and to realize where we've been lazy and self-confident and comfortable. Where you'll be scattered, each to his own, and you will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. He's just told them something that's very unsettling. I'm leaving, and you're going to panic, and you're going to run back home. But don't worry. Don't worry. It's going to be okay. In me, you're going to have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. And this is a dichotomy we're going to have to talk about as we go forward. The only peace we have is in Him. In the world, there's tribulation. And that's becoming so obvious, it's screaming at us. But in Christ, there's peace. So if we're not in peace, if we're experiencing tribulation, we're more conscious of being in the world than we are of being in Christ and Christ in us. And so this shaking is a wake-up call for us. In the world you have, will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have, have, not will, I have overcome the world. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. But before we do, I want to leave you with an understanding of what he means by the world. The world does not refer just to the sphere, this globe, which some people still believe is flat. (laughs) This world refers, it's a Greek word that refers to the systems of this world, the ways of this world, the values of this world. And as I mentioned to you at the very beginning, or a few, not partway through this message, we are part of a grand global spiritual drama, which is a battle between Satan and his kingdom and God and his kingdom. And you've learned before, because I've taught you in a number of times, that Satan is now the God of this world. And his, his plan, his wrath, and his anger is beginning to be poured out. It's been poured out along, but it's beginning to really be released. And, 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 it, and it's released against God's kingdom. And right now, the kingdom of God on this earth is you and me. The kingdom of God on this earth is in you, and Satan hates that kingdom. He doesn't hate you. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about me. He cares about and hates God's kingdom in me and God's kingdom and you, because Satan hates anything that's precious to God. And he can't get back at God, so the only thing he can do is make things difficult for you and me, because we're precious to God. And I shared that with you because when the Bible talks about the world, when Jesus talks about this world and overcoming this world, He's talking about all of these factors that are under Satan's control and Satan's influence that are pulling this world in a certain direction, which is becoming very clear with its values, with its, and it's going there fast. 
and it's global. And Jesus says to us, as overwhelming as all this seems to you, as scary as all this seems to you, as threatening as all this seems to you, as out of control as all this seems to you, don't be afraid. Because I've overcome it for you. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. How do we enter into His overcoming this world? Because it's not enough to know He did it. It's not enough to know it's in me. If I'm not enjoying it, I need to learn how to enjoy it. So we'll pick up on this next week. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You love us so much, that You're involved in our lives. Your Word says Jesus is interceding for us. He's praying for us. Not only have You staked everything upon Your church, but You care for Your church. We're Your treasure on this earth. We're Your inheritance on the earth. Your Word says so. And so we come as we end the message today, and we pray for this church as well as all the others, especially in this region that we have relationships with, and maybe those that we don't even know, Lord, we pray that you would awaken us to the alarm bell that's being sounded, to have a spiritual perspective on what's going on, and to recognize that you placed us here for such a time as this, and that you'll never abandon us, but your kingdom is within us, so that we would not be shaken by the world's shaking that's going on around us. But we would have the boldness, as the church in Acts prayed, the boldness and the assurance to stand and go forward and do what you put us here to do. I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice this morning, whether they're physically here, watching online, or will watch this later on. If, you're, if they're struggling today, if they're in fear, if they're discouraged, if they're in despair, if they're even in despair of their life like the Apostle Paul was, Father, I pray that by Your Spirit You would awaken them and encourage them that first of all, they're not alone. Secondly, not only are they not alone that others are going through similar times, but they're not alone because You're there with them in this and You're the God of all comfort. Father, I pray for all of us that may be struggling with just being discouraged and just being wanting to quit. It's not worth it. I don't know that I can do this. I'm tired of this. I, I don't see any change. Father, I'm asking you this morning to give us strength. And for those of us maybe that have strength, maybe we're enduring, but we're timid. We're not ready to step out and be bold. We ask you to fill us with your spirit of boldness and give us boldness to do and proclaim what you put us here to do that this gospel may be preached throughout all the world and then the end may come. Father, we pray for anyone that's in the sound of my voice this morning that does not have your kingdom within them, that has not entered in to this covenant fellowship with you through Jesus Christ, that today you would open their eyes to see their need for a Savior. And for these things, we thank you in Jesus' name. As we prepare to end this service, I know almost everybody here, but I want to speak especially to those that may be watching online, but anyone here also.